and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. We've got some good news in our public school system. We're going to talk about that. We've also got a little bit of confusion from me. I'm a little confused, and I'm going to want you to hear a couple of things as we move through this segment of the show. Uh, Mesa Public Schools is getting more dollars. There is a lot more money being spent in the school system. Thanks to the legislature and the governor, um, we are spending more money. Is it enough? I don't know that it'll ever be enough. Um, we, you know, we we need to spend what it takes to educate our kids. At the same time, there has to be accountability for the dollars and where where it's being spent. And we don't have that. Um, the school districts are autonomous. Uh, they spend the money the way they see fit. Mesa Public Schools has decided they're going to take the majority of the new dollars that they are getting and they are going to invest in teacher raises. So the starting pay for a teacher in Mesa Public Schools was $50,000 a year. It's now going up to fifty three five. If you're a teacher in Mesa that makes $66,000 a year, you now will make $75,000 a year. Significant raise. And taking teachers that are seasoned, there's also a mentoring program now, much like doctors have a mentoring program as they make their way to becoming an MD and and serving patients, much like police officers entering the, entering the profession, learn from seasoned officers and what's called FTO, field training officers, to, so they get their feet on the ground. They lean on the mentors. They learn from the mentors. They are graded by the mentors so that they become proficient in those jobs, being a doctor or being a police officer. Much like that with teaching, let's hope that it works in much the same way. I think those are good things. But we still understand that Arizona is completely underserving our students. We are not educating our children, and every single one of us should be concerned. We are going to sit across the table from each other and argue about the best way to fix that problem. But we have to start with acknowledging that is a huge problem. Far less than 50% of 8th graders can do 8th grade math and are ready to go on to high school. And far fewer than 50% of 3rd graders are reading at grade level. We all understand the adage, up until third grade, you learn to read. After third grade, you read to learn, preparing them to learn for the rest of their lives. We aren't doing it. That's why here in the state of Arizona, we expanded the ESA program. Now, there are people that are very critical of this lack of oversight. Where's the money going to go? And it's going to be taken out of public schools. It's going to be put into private schools and all of these different things. We have charter schools. We have home schools. We have micro schools. We have all of these things available. Why? Because parents are dissatisfied with the quality of public education in Arizona. If we were satisfied with the quality of public education in Arizona, we wouldn't need all of these other schools. We wouldn't be looking, parents, when I say we, parents would not be looking for other options. Here's my confusion. Um, uh, I want you to hear uh, Secretary of State Katie Hobbs uh, talking about uh, investing in public education. If we really want to give all of our kids... Uh, the best quality education, we have to invest in our public schools so that no matter what zip code, what neighborhood kids live in, they have the equal opportunity because the current schema vouchers does not provide equal access. And there are still thousands of kids who are going to be shut out of that opportunity. And the best way to provide that opportunity is to fund our public schools. Uh, Now, I'm going to take this opportunity to say there are things that we're not going to agree on, but my door is always going to be open. 
So she talks about investing in public schools, which we are making greater and greater investments in public schools. We are not seeing huge improvements in proficiency. Maybe this mentoring program is going to help. But parents are looking for options. My position on all of this is why not give working class families an opportunity with the expansion of the vouchers? It's the ESA is what it's really called, but it's known as the voucher program. Why not give working class families the dollars, the tax dollars attached to their attached to their children and allow them to go to private school? Here's my confusion. This is a national story just put out yesterday from the Daily Wire. Here's the headline. Private school graduate Katie Hobbs releases an anti-school choice plan. Katie Hobbs graduated from Seton Catholic High School in the East Valley. Now, I want you to hear her comments about this. Um, She talks about this, and I want you to hear her answer as she talks about graduating from a private school. Every chance I had an opportunity to vote on expanding vouchers, I voted no. And I will say that my parents uh, made the choice to send me to Catholic high school. They struggled. They made huge sacrifices to do that, and they didn't use tax dollars to do that. How out of touch is that? I'm, I'm, I listen, I am not being critical just for the sake of being critical. What about the families that can't? This is what outrages me about this. This is a real life example in my family, not in Arizona, but in Florida where I grew up. My brother Tom and I graduated from the same high school. We both went to uh, Cypress Lake High School in Fort Myers, Florida. Good public school. Both got a good education. Well, I didn't because I didn't go much, but my brother did. But neither one of us were ever going to go to college. We just weren't. We went to a public school. Brian, our youngest brother, was destined for the same path. Brian was given an opportunity to go to a school that is almost exactly like a brophy. It is a Catholic high school, prep, a college prep school focuses heavily on academics. He went on a scholarship because he was the most improved student in the middle school. So this private school, because we were we are Catholic. I was raised Catholic. I haven't attended a Catholic church in years. Let's not talk about theology. But we were Catholics. Because of that, my brother was awarded a scholarship to a school that my mother, I don't know, doesn't matter what sacrifices she made, could have never afforded. My brother got a first-class education. He went to school with the people that could afford private school. You know what happened to my brother? He went on to play football and baseball in college. He got a full ride. or He got a partial scholarship for football and baseball, ended up giving that up, coming back and going to Florida Gulf Coast University, where he graduated with honors before entering the sheriff's office. There was no way anybody in my family even thought college was a possibility. My brother graduated from high school in 1992, and he's been my hero since he was a little kid. But the opportunity given to him by somebody else's kindness with a scholarship changed his path in life. Graduated from college with honors, the first one in our family. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we say to working class families, there are kids just like my brother, smart in the classroom, dedicated in the classroom, work their butt off, get good grades. Never in a million years could they go to a private school. Never. And we're going to say you can't take the tax dollars attached to that child that a parent can't say we're going to take that $7,000 or whatever it is and we're going to go to a private school because my child's going to go to college. And when they get to college, they're not going to have to take remedial classes in order to, to do college 
college-level courses because we're going to make sure that academics lead the way. Or a charter school, you know, go to a basis school or something else. Who are we to say to those families, you just make the sacrifices and pay for it yourself? Now, I want to be very fair. I am not calling the Secretary of State elitist. I'm not. But that answer sounds elitist. I didn't vote for school vouchers. My parents paid for my Catholic school, and they made a lot of sacrifices. You know what? My brother, the same brother I just was talking about, he is a police, a a sheriff's captain, and his wife is a sheriff's deputy. They drive cars that are 10 or 12 years old. You know why? The importance of that private school. They put their kids in private school. They get help. But they put their kids in that school because they see the importance of a quality education. Why in the world, why in the world wouldn't we give working class families an opportunity for a story like that? Graduated from Catholic school and is against vouchers that would allow working class families a shot at the same education. Can't believe it. I just can't believe it. We're going to get you caught up here on all the big news stories of the day. It's called Did You Hear This? We'll do it in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. I don't know how we're going to get it all in to catch you up on the big headlines today, but we're going to try. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Phoenix Suns and Mercury owner Robert Sarver was suspended this morning, and Arizona Sports 98.7's Dan Bickley says this news may affect sponsorships. For the NBA to kind of put forth all of this, I think it's going to make those sponsors react. And so are there going to be people calling on those sponsors to get involved and to, to, to pick a side, if you will? That's the remaining piece in this. Do you think sponsors may end their relationships with the Suns and Mercury? Yeah, I mean, it's speculation, but when you look at the importance, what you are doing when you sign on to be a sponsor of any uh, professional sports franchise, you are asking them to associate their brand with yours. So if you are the uh, you know the lawyer or the plumber or the home remodeler or you're the, the naming rights of the footprint center, your brand is now attached to their brand and you're willing to pay big money to be attached to that brand. When the brand gets damaged, you have to reassess whether or not this is a good thing for you because if you stay, will people say you're condoning the actions by not sending the message and leaving. I don't know for a fact that that's going to happen, but if I were one of the partners of Sarver, that would be the biggest issue I had was what will this do to our sponsorship? And I don't mean not outside of the moral side of this, the business side of this, I would be concerned that it could recover. New consumer price index numbers dropped today, and while gas prices showed a sharp drop nationally, it was offset by high grocery costs. Food prices soared in August, especially online. Prices for groceries up more than 14% compared to a year ago, a record increase. Are you concerned that we won't see a decrease for a while? Yeah, and and that's uh, the concern for everyone. There are a lot of things that are outside of our control, but there are things in the market, the food shortage that may be happening because of the war in Ukraine. We know what is about a third of the world's wheat supply comes from that 
region of Russia and Ukraine. Uh, there are a lot of different things. Drought here in the desert southwest. We're going to not grow crops starting in January in Pinal County. Uh, there are a lot of concerns for people in what's happening with this huge increase. So the other part of this is that the Fed is going to have to continue to raise interest rates in order to slow down the economy. And many people are now predicting it's inevitable. It's going to drive us pretty hard into recession. It's not if we're in a recession, but how bad it's going to get. That is not good. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the major headlines. Texas Sheriff Roy Boyd of Goliad County responds to Vice President Harris's comments about having a secure border. The border is not closed. The border is wide open. And Texas Border Patrol agents tell me that on a good day, they encounter between 8 and 15 percent of the number of people that actually come across. So you can take that number and figure out what's really coming across. Why haven't we seen the government respond yet? I, I think it's part of the policy. Again, this is why it's frustrating for people to be told a lie. And I, and I don't I don't get inflammatory and call people liars. But the vice president lied when she looked into the face of Chuck Todd and said, said the border is secure in as much and then went on with an explanation that was a lie the border is not secure and that's why you're seeing pushback from not only a border sheriff but also from ranchers on the border in southern texas that are saying this is what we are enduring so if you're somewhere in this country and you don't understand what the border states are going through come take a look we want you to hear and we want you to see what's happening and it's very discouraging but i don't think the government's going to do anything because this is their policy and everything they're saying is they don't feel a need to change it. They have the right to do that, but the voters have to respond. Stephanie Parra, member of the Phoenix Union High School Governing Board, made this comparison about Friday's Central High School lockdown. A lot of these kids, you know, for them, this was their Columbine. Is this fair to say? No, I don't think it is. You know, and again, I've had, we've had our differences with, I've had my, a lot of differences politically with Stephanie Parra. But, you know, you got it. We, we talk about wading into places that you shouldn't. When people make comparisons to the Holocaust, when you make comparisons to 9-11, when you make comparisons to Columbine, well, you're treading in waters you shouldn't tread. Thank God there was no gun. There were no shootings. No one was injured. This was nothing like Columbine. Now, her trying to make the point that these kids were terrified, excellent point to make. She's 100% right. But when you start making those comparisons especially when there was no gun and no shots fired. I think you're going a little too far. Great job, Julia. As always, that is Did You Hear This for Another Day. We'll do it again tomorrow at 920. So here's what we're going to do for the rest of the show. In a moment, we are going to talk specifically about the economy, where we are today. Stock market's down everywhere. We're going to talk about that and the importance of it. We are going to talk about the federal government and their response to this. And I'm going to give you some numbers on what inflation is really like. Year-over-year growth in inflation. We're going to talk about that specifically. And then to end the show, we've got the statements from the Phoenix Suns and Mercury. We've got the statement from Robert Sarver, and we've got a statement from the NBA about the suspension of the owner or the managing partner of the Phoenix Suns. All that's coming up next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Burnett Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. 
thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with us. We've got to talk about the economy, the Dow Jones. Let's uh, let's take a look at all the indexes and where we're at. Uh, the Dow is down three percent, nine hundred eighty-five and a half points right now. S and P is down three point three five percent. Nasdaq Composite down over four percent. So every index uh, is 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 uh, down over three percent right now. Um, I'm going to get into some specifics of what's happening with inflation, but we now know that inflation ticked up even though gas prices fell way down. Um, I want you to hear a statement from the White House. Today's data shows more progress in bringing global inflation down in the U.S. economy. Don't laugh. Um, Overall, prices have been essentially flat in our country these last two months. Don't laugh. It is, uh, that is welcome news for American families with more work still to do. Gas prices are down an average of $1.30 a gallon. Um, at the beginning, since the beginning of summer this month, we saw some price increases slow. So in other words, they're still, imagine going to the doctor. I want you to imagine going to the, to the emergency room. You've cut yourself. So you go to the emergency room and the doctor comes in and says, we've slowed the bleeding. And they're bragging about it. We've slowed the bleeding. Now we've stopped it. We've slowed it. Um, real wages are up for a second month in a row, giving hardworking families a little breathing room. Don't laugh yet. You're going to laugh in a minute, but don't laugh. Here's where you're going to laugh. It will take more time and resolve to bring down inflation down, which is why we passed the Inflation Reduction Act. Okay, now you can laugh. Now you can laugh. Um, they're having a party today to celebrate the Inflation Reduction Act. I want to. I want you to hear some statistics for you. Year over year, inflation, food, up eleven point four percent. Meats, ten point six. Eggs, thirty nine point eight. Milk, seventeen. Energy, twenty three point eight. Fuel oil, not going to affect us here in the valley, but places that use fuel oil to uh, to heat their homes, sixty eight point eight percent up. Gasoline up 25.6, electricity 15.8, natural gas up 33%, airline fares up 33.4%. The White House puts out a statement saying, hey, we're on the right track. Um, this is where I think American politics gets ugly, and here's why. Um, I have absolutely no animosity as a person toward Joe Biden. Don't despise him as a human being. Don't hate him. Um, He's just not a good president. His policies are not good for the average American. I think his intentions are. I don't think he's a bad man. I think his intentions were what he wanted to do. Bolster the middle class. All of those things that are noble. Again, Obamacare. Uh, giving President Obama at the time every you know on the just to give you insight if you're not a Republican if you're not somebody that lives in that world where I lived for and have lived for such a long time, um, I had talked my own people off the ledge because the it was uh, Obama is going to ruin the country from the inside out. He's t- intentionally destroying this country. If we reelect him, we'll never get our country back, and none of that was true. I think that. Every president does what they believe is best for the country. I just think it's counterproductive and it's wrong. So I hated Obamacare. I hated Obamacare because of the high premiums, the lack of coverage to just to, you do did something that cost billions and billions of dollars. You propped up 
in inside the marketplace. You propped up those uh, those nonprofit entities for insurance with government loans of billions of dollars in every single one of them. Every single one of them went broke. The average family of four in the state of Arizona that was on in, in the exchanges that was on Obamacare paid more per month for insurance than they paid for their mortgage. And I didn't think it was going to work. That doesn't mean that it wasn't well-intentioned. It's just we knew what the results were going to be. And the same thing is happening now with the economy in the United States. The Inflation Reduction Act is nothing more than a climate change bill. They called it an Inflation Reduction Act. So this is where we have to ask questions as voters. It, it, again, dispassionate. I have. I am very passionate about my country. I'm passionate about American politics, and I'm certainly passionate about my opinions. But as Americans, we have to look at where we are, what we are doing, what's working, and what isn't. And then you look at people on either side of the aisle that voted in favor of an Inflation Reduction Act with every bit of evidence that was out there that it was going to do nothing to decrease inflation, that it was going to raise taxes on a segment of the American taxpayer at a time when the United States Treasury is collecting record revenue. Then you also have to look at where they are and ask yourself this question. Why in the world would anybody – In the situation we're in in this country right now, why would you vote for a piece of legislation that hires 87,000 new IRS agents? 87,000. So, you know, the compliance is an issue. You know, major – if you do your own taxes and you dread it because it's a nightmare – I want you to think about a corporation that has to employ accountants full time to file their quarterly reports and get everything done and lawyers. That's an expense. That's called in the construction world. That's called nonproductive labor. Those are people that are not producing what you produce. They're a necessity. They are necessary for your business, but it's not productive. It isn't making any money. And we are costing businesses and individuals more and more money. We're collecting more and more taxes. We are, let's say we're just, uh, we are just taxing the rich. But look at the effect of what these policies are doing in the energy sector, in the food sector, all over the place. There are things that are outside of the White House's control, but there are things that are within their control and they're getting them wrong. That's a dispassionate look at this. So we've got a midterm election coming up. And we've got choices of people who we are going to reelect and who we are going to unelect, for lack of a better word. And if we aren't taking a real look at policy, not personality, not someone we like, there's a lot of people we like. I have a lot of people that I like that I wouldn't let do surgery on me. You understand? I mean, at some point you have to say, "Mm, I'm not doing this anymore. And I think America is getting to that point. You know, we are watching right now the stock market is down over a thousand points. It is now down 3.1%, down 1,003, almost 1,004 points right now. People are watching their retirement accounts hit a low. We had a 52 week high of almost 37,000. We are at 31,377 right now. And people in this country are taking notice because it isn't just Wall Street fat cats that are taking a hit today. It isn't stockbrokers. It's 401ks. It's your retirement account. It's those accounts that you're putting money aside so that when you're ready to retire, it's built wealth that you can retire on. I'm 55 years old. I'm closer to the end than I am the beginning. And there are people out there that are listening that are a bit older than I am that are even closer. When I say end, not end of life, end of work. And they're afraid. 
and they should be. The average working family understands they're paying so much more for food for their families and shelter. We've got to look at them. And there's ways we can make changes, and we certainly should be. Coming up in a moment, we finish the show with statements by the Phoenix Suns, the Phoenix Mercury, Robert Sarver himself, and the NBA about the suspension of the managing partner. That's all coming up. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. If you're just jumping in the car, heading to lunch, uh, we've got, you know, the bombshell news, of course, is that a managing partner of the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury, Robert Sarver, has been suspended by the NBA for a period of one year, which means he can't go near anything NBA-related, not just team-related, NBA-related, for the one-year period. He has also been fined $10 million. And based on this 43-page report, there are some people that are saying it didn't go far enough. Now, the $10 million fine was the highest fine that could be levied by the NBA, but the time of suspension of only one year, many people are saying, based on what's in the 43-page report, that that may be a little too soft, and so people have been complaining. So now I've got a couple of statements. First of all, the official response from the Suns and the Mercury, they put out a joint response. Uh, Suns Legacy Partners is committed to creating a safe, respectful, and inclusive work environment that is free of discrimination and harassment. As the NBA acknowledged, we fully cooperated with the NBA's investigation, which covered an 18-year period including by encouraging current and former employees to participate. There were former employees who had been paid off, or and maybe that's the wrong term, but had been given a settlement for their grievances. And for their settlement, they signed a non-disclosure agreement, agreeing not to speak publicly about what was going on. Many of those employees um, have broke those NDAs, and they wanted to make sure that their stories were told. And that's what they're talking about here. The NBA's findings concerning the organization's focus, for the most part, on historical matters that have been addressed in recent years, including through meaningful enhancements in our workplace compliance program. At the direction of senior leadership, we've strengthened our culture and focused on creating a workplace where everyone feels included and valued. So it goes on. Uh, Robert Sarver is also taking responsibility for his actions. He recognizes that at times during his 18 years of ownership, his conduct did not reflect his or the son's values and was inconsistent with the advancement of the management team that has taken with Robert's full support. We're proud of the process. Sorry, the progress we've made already. And moving forward, our organization will continue to build a best in class workplace. Robert Sarver put out a statement. Good leadership requires accountability for the Sons of Mercury organizations. That begins with me. While I disagree with some of the uh, particulars of the NBA report, I would like to apologize for my words and actions that offended our employees. I take full responsibility for what I've done. I'm sorry for causing this pain, and these errors in judgment are not consistent with my personal philosophy or my values. I accept the consequences of the NBA's decision. This moment is an opportunity for me to demonstrate a capacity to learn and grow as we continue to build a working culture where every employee feels comfortable and valued. He finishes by saying, I am extraordinarily proud of the Suns and Mercury organizations and the record we have built concerning diversity, inclusion, and giving back to the community. It means a great deal to me that our dedicated and hardworking employees have made Phoenix a basketball destination for both players and players and fans. So, um, 
That's Mr. Sarver's statement. The NBA, and I have not read the 43-page report. I've only read their statement. Their statement is very harsh. Mr. Sarver, on at least five occasions during his tenure with the Suns Mercury organization, repeatedly used the N-word when recounting statements of others. Mr. Sarver engaged in instances of inequitable conduct toward female employees, made many sex-related comments in the workplace, made inappropriate comments about the physical appearance of female employees and other women, and on several occasions engaged in inappropriate physical conduct toward male employees. Mr. Sarver engaged in demeaning and harsh treatment of employees, including by yelling and cursing at them. So um, now what happens to the Phoenix Suns? Uh, I, I moved here in 1995, um, and uh, they were really the only game in town. We've seen since then the Diamondbacks. Now, the Cardinals are here uh, and have been here for a long time, but the Suns are the legacy here. Um, it made me happy. I, I am a basketball fan, but not a huge fan of the NBA. Um, I like the NBA. I like it very much, but I'm not the ca- same kind of super fan that I am of football, let's say. But here, I loved seeing the Suns be successful because this entire valley, this entire state is Suns diehards at heart. They are a part of this community. And much like when the Cleveland Browns left Cleveland and became the Baltimore Ravens, the city of Cleveland successfully retained the name Cleveland Browns so that when the franchise – when they were able to get an expansion team in Cleveland, it remained the Cleveland Browns. That is what the Phoenix Suns are to Phoenix. And I think that – This needs to be addressed for the good of everybody in this town that's been such a fan forever. Does this mean that Sarver is going to be out as the owner? That remains to be seen. What will the people that spend a lot of money to partner with the Suns and be the official whatever business of the Phoenix Suns, the sponsors, um, you know, the signage and everything else, what will they say? If they begin pulling away from this organization, then what happens with the other partners in this organization? It's a long way from over, and it's a sad day for Suns fans. I feel bad for all of you because you're getting dragged into something you had nothing to do with. We'll be back tomorrow morning. The show starts at about 8 a.m. Looking forward to tomorrow's show. I hope you can spend part of your day with us. Until then, I hope you got a great day planned. Take care of yourself. God bless.